Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes uh, this gets to be a very unfun 
uh, topic. It's kind of like I've said for a lot of times, uh, many times I've said this, you know, people, seem, some people, okay, I'll rephrase that, some people, uh, and, and I don't know, maybe it's a lot of people because I see this a lot, um, you know, they don't have a problem spending money on the fun things with their backyard, like, oh, I just bought a $4,000 coupe. Uh, or I just bought these treats, or I just bought this swing, or I just knitted these sweaters, or I just knitted these nest box curtains, or I did this, or I did that, and all these fun things. But we've seen it uh, a lot of times when it comes down to, say, spending 20 bucks on some medication, they're not going to do it. They'll spend $4,000 on a coop, but won't spend $20 on meds, or they won't spend $100 to take their chickens to the to, to the vet. So we so we see that. Uh, they'll spend have no problem spending a lot of money on fun things, uh, but they just won't spend it on the, and, and maybe the more important things uh, when it comes to the health of their birds. So uh, we'll talk all about that today. Uh, great topic. Glad you're here. While, during the break, get that pen and paper ready to take down some notes on how you can keep your backyard flock safer from infectious poultry diseases. We'll be back right after this short break from our sponsors. At Combox Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, Our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major water, the easy way. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. 
Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com and try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper brought to you by Kalmbach Foods. And, and I just want to say very quick, we do hope um, you have an absolutely wonderful uh, and blessed Thanksgiving holiday with family and friends. If you're traveling, please be safe out on the roads and through the airwaves, air, airways um, uh, this Thanksgiving, uh, the holiday. But we do really hope you take time to uh, think about all that you uh, have to be thankful for uh, over the year and, and currently. But, yeah, we want to make sure you have a wonderful uh, holiday. We'll return uh, next uh, Monday with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. So uh, we're going to take a little time to celebrate our family and what we're thankful for uh, as well. Got a great show lined up for you today. Like I said, we're talking all about biosecurity with our good friend, poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McCray, Ph.D. And uh, we got her on the phones right now. Uh, Dr. McCray, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? You ready for the holiday? I am. I'm going to be grading papers all weekend long. (laughs) <laughs> Along with eating some uh, super bird and and uh, yeah. uh, maybe some dressing and 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 uh, what do we have green bean casserole and the uh, sweet potato casserole <laughs> and the rolls and the cornbread and and uh, popovers can't forget those egg dishes I'm going to try some popovers yeah, abs- yeah absolutely and good old fashioned you know, always somebody brings a a big plate of uh, deviled eggs and everybody has their own little <laughs> special way to special way to make them. Some people put a little paprika on top. Some people put an olive on top. Some people mix it in with the pickle relish and some people do Tabasco. Just all different types of way to uh, make those deviled eggs. So yeah, can't can't do <laughs> those egg dishes. Gotta love it. Well, uh, go ahead. Do you have any announcements to make or any upcoming well, events or anything like that? Well, I was just thinking about your announcement and I was thinking, well, gosh, you know, Part of this whole biosecurity thing, wonder if we shouldn't turn that into a contest on backyard poultry signage. Who's got the best backyard chicken signage as part of the biosecurity plan? Um, and that's actually going to be part of what I talk about today, but I was just mm-hmm. thinking about that. You do so many contests. I'm wondering if one of those contests shouldn't be on a really good sign 
for your biosecurity plan. I think that's a good idea. I know I was reading. By the way, um, the winter issue of Chicken Whisper magazine is now out last night, oh. overnight. It, overnight, it was sent to all of our digital subscribers, so they woke up this morning with it in their email. So many of them are probably enjoying that uh, today. Uh, the print edition, if you subscribe to that, will probably be going out uh, next week, and I'll be mailing out those. Oh, I'll be looking for that in my a, mailbox. In the mailbox, exactly. And your article, of course, about biosecurity uh, basics and strategies uh, is in that, along with Dr. Pateski's uh, article. There's a lot in there, but also based on uh, biosecurity, the uh, highly pathogenic avian influenza, which uh, should encourage us to use good biosecurity basics. But I know in that article you also mentioned about uh, one of the best signs you've seen uh, that someone had posted. And, you know, I was just looking yesterday, last night actually, uh, over at some Facebook pages, and it popped up on my uh, news feed, I guess, about another coop tour. And uh, they did have pictures of people on the tour um, inside a couple of the coops, and I just kind of cringed and went, that's a big no-no. And um, I'll probably be sending them an email to say, hey, you know, <laughs> you want to continue having these, and you don't want to spread disease. I, I, You know, I've been involved with these uh, all over the country, um, and there's just you know, no reason for these people on the tour to be inside your runner coop. They can see everything needed to see. Your goals will still be completed about promoting backyard poultry, educating people about backyard poultry, spreading the poultry love, blah, 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 uh, without them walking into your coop and your run and then getting in a car, driving down the street a quarter mile, getting out and getting in their coop and then their run and spreading this disease from coop to coop to coop to coop to coop to coop to coop. Um, so I was kind of disappointed with that. Uh, and saying that, um, you would think this day and age they may have known better, but apparently not. So um, it's, this shows us we still have work to do regarding uh, biosecurity. And coop tours are cool, you know, but but you know, have, you can get and, close and enough a lot of to see. It, it's a, it destroys fun. It doesn't have to. It's all mm-hmm. a matter of perspective. Most everybody's doing some part of biosecurity already. They just don't think of it as biosecurity. Mm-hmm. And when you get into a situation like a coop tour, if you're already practiced, well-practiced in how diseases spread around, then it's usually you know, not hard to say, oh, come on in and, and take a look at how I do things, but I can't let you in there. A couple of years ago we had a problem with, you know, such and such, or I don't want such and such a disease. So, um, you know, you can take a look from the outside. And people, you know, you become an educator. And when you do coop tours, everybody on that coop tour knows that they're an educator. And, you know, you can still have a great attitude about keeping poultry and still practice biosecurity and tell other people about biosecurity without ruining their day. Mm-hmm. So in the article that I shared with you, Andy, I gave you the the, the straightforward biosecurity um, message. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to go, well, I do that, and oh, I know better than to do that, and but then again, we all have the holidays coming up. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. We get busy. We get tired. We get run down. And it's a matter of making it just part of the habit. And nobody can do all the changes tomorrow. 
first of all, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> but I'm just asking your listeners, make small changes. Ingrain something into your 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 being and how you do things and then move on to another change so that eventually you've got it all packed in there as best you can and what you do you may not your neighbor may not be able to do just in the manner of how they built their coop or purchased their coop so take care of your flock first and foremost and care for them and do things the way that are that's comfortable for you first and foremost so andy a lot of people when they think about biosecurity one of the first things like with coop tours, you think about is traffic control. There's three major tenets of biosecurity, isolation, traffic control, and sanitation. Now, clearly a coop tour is a violation of the isolation principle. With isolation, if you keep yourself to yourself, you're less likely to gain a disease organism or spread a disease organism. That's why most chicken houses are spread out from one another. They don't usually pack them in one right next to the other. Except for here on Delmarva where, you know, it's a very small state, little old Delaware, and way back <laughs> in the beginning before we had biosecurity down pat, yeah, they were just a quarter mile down the road from one another. Lessons have been learned from doing that. For example, occasionally we have outbreaks of, of laryngotracheitis on Delmarva. Well, we've learned because of these mistakes what not to do. And for heaven's sakes, we're sharing them with you because nobody likes dealing with disease outbreaks. Nobody likes to see their pets suffer. Your pets don't deserve it. You don't want to go through it. And if you're not willing to foot the bill for a vet visit, and if you're not willing to make changes, then really consider biosecurity because it's all based on prevention. And prevention is so when, usually quite free. So when are all of these broiler trucks going to become enclosed if they're so concerned about biosecurity when they're going down the road and feathers and dust and everything else is flying up and down the road? Just want to throw that out there. Everybody knows where I stand on that. We produce food the way we do because people want 99-cent chicken nugget meals. But when we talk about biosecurity, and, and um, I'm going to be devil's advocate for a minute, and um, we all have assumed over the years, <clears throat> oh, yeah, these big corporate folks, they, they have to do biosecurity. It's so important to them, and they got burned uh, this past year with, of course, the avian influenza. And, you know, the, I think that they fell into the trap of, oh, we've never had a problem, or I always do this, or we don't need foot baths, or we don't need to wash the tires of the feed trucks coming in, or we don't need to cover our broiler trucks when they go down the road and scatter all this crap everywhere. And then and then all of a sudden, Hmm. Um, so we, we've all assumed that they do tip-top biosecurity, and we know that we're humans. We get lax. We're like, oh, maybe we just won't do this, or oh, maybe we don't won't do that. And then all of a sudden, we have the issue, which, like you said, made everybody uh, kind of wake up. And, uh, and and but but again, we're only human. I can see this happening. Uh, for oh yeah, we need to make sure we do all this, and then as the year goes by. 
uh, well, we haven't had an attack in a, or a couple of years. It's gone away, hadn't, you know, and then we start getting back. We're just, we're, you know, we're kind of only human. It's the same thing when I'm on tour and I discuss uh, security with these folks. They have a dozen chickens in their backyard, and I hand them this big spiral-bound booklet from USDA Biosecurity Birds, and there's so much in there. And I tell them, I said, look, there's a lot of good information in this book, but I feel like I'm, I, I, I'm a realist. Uh, you're probably not going to do it all. The, the, the soccer mom in suburbia with eight hens is probably, let's face it, not going to stop and wash her tires and wheels off after she goes to the feed store every two weeks. It's just probably not going to happen if we're honest with ourselves. Whether it needs to happen or not is a different story. We, we, if we're honest with ourselves, pick some things out that she can do, that she feel like she can do on a regular basis, like have the hand sanitizer by the coop, have a foot bath, or have a designated pair of boots, or have a coverall there to take care of her flock, things like that, that she may be able to manage more often on a regular basis. Don't share tools with the neighbor if they have chickens, things like that. But uh, there's probably things in that booklet that there's no way on God's green earth that she's going to do, or if she does, I tell (laughs) folks, you know, a lot of people may go overboard. Yes, I love my chickens. I'm going to do everything in this book. Let's be realistic. After a week or two, it's not all going to be done. So I say pick some things. Every little step you you can add to your daily routine out of this book will go a long way to protect your flock. But but I, I also try to be realistic with that. So so it's you know we talk about biosecurity with the big uh, um, uh, the big commercial farms and you know we all everybody oh well they're the ones that are supposed to have all this you know expertise biosecurity and then kind of look what happened. So yeah, there's gaps, there's holes, there's there's will always be those farms that'll shrug their shoulders. Or say, oh, it'll never happen to me, or, or, and I hate this, and you hate this too, on the chicken blogs and forums. It works for me, or, or it's never happened to me, or I've done this for four years, and I've never had a problem. <laughs> like Dr. McRae says, tomorrow's another day. So, um, but yeah, is that, has that ever been addressed up that way? You, you live right there in the center of all that. Uh, you have, oh, Bosque is important. And the next thing you know, you got this boiler truck barreling down the road with all these feathers and dust and everything flying everywhere. Now, when they like, have yeah, incidences of disease, uh-huh. they will actually reroute trucks away from disease. But for them to uh-huh. be open-sided, um, the issues that we often talk about, Andy, and, and folks, Andy and I talk off the air quite often about some of these more complex, larger issues. This is one of them. So if you want them to be totally enclosed, what's the welfare concern? Heat. And? Uh, air, being able yeah. to breathe. I mean, yeah. there's always that. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, you know, people will post a picture of that truck and say, this is horrible. And, this, this is why I raise my chickens. And, yeah. You have to think about economics, too. Who's going to pay to change up all their trucking? How many millions or hundreds of millions of dollars would that be? Is the small contract mover of these of these transporter of these chickens are they going to be able to make those changes or are you going to send them out of business mm-hmm. so those are some of the questions that that oh, yeah, those, no. you know you don't want to deprive their family of a, a lovely um christmas holiday and and ruin their family's lives no that's not the goal so you know it, like i said it's a bigger issue mm-hmm. um but let's talk about um let's look at it from a holiday perspective first and foremost since that's what we're heading into. Let's talk about biosecurity for the holidays. Now, we're talking about family and friends. 
usually coming to visit. Now, if you're going to go visit, be the visitor, and they have poultry, think about what you could be carrying back to your birds. Even if they have a pet cockatiel or a canary, those birds carry some of the same diseases that can affect your poultry. Even and even more so, they will hide their symptoms and, until sometimes you just find them gone at the bottom of the cage. So, yep. you know, think about, okay, I'm going to go visit Aunt Susie for a couple hours on Christmas Day, but then we're going to drive down to um, my brother's place, and he's got, you know, 30 chickens or six chickens. All right, Aunt Susie's got a cocktail, and my brother's got um, chickens. Well, all right, maybe... You don't need to go out with the chickens until you've washed the clothing that you wore at Aunt Susie's house. Um, So simple thought processes. You know, if you're going to have family over um, and they have poultry, maybe they don't need to go see your poultry without them donning the same coveralls and boots that you wear, just in case they're carrying something on their footwear. Um, You know, your family may be wonderful people, but what if they just don't have that same level of care and concern for the health of their flock as you do? And nobody wants to be lectured at the holidays. That's not your job. So why don't you avoid that situation and just provide them with plastic boot covers that you can get at NASCO? I think it's like 25 pairs for $14, something like that. You'll have that for a good long while. And, they, you know, they're plastic. You can write their names on them in a Sharpie, and they can use them the entire time they're there. Then, you know, give them um, an old shirt to wear over their clothing and a hat um, so that they aren't tracking stuff back into the house. If you're not willing to do that, are you willing to say, no, sorry, kids, or no to your brother, or no to somebody and say, if you're not willing to wear all this stuff, I can't let you out there. If you're not willing to say no, practice what you are going to say to explain to them why you're asking them to put all this stuff on. Like I said, it's human nature, Andy. If you're not thinking through this process and your family's looking at you like, are you crazy? You want me to do what? Well, mentally, on your way to the grocery store where you're going to go buy that turkey, what you would say to them? Pay attention to the road, of course, but please practice what you would say. Um, Put out a foot bath. Most parts of the country are turning a little bit frosty and frigid this time of year. And putting out a foot bath creates its own challenges because they like to freeze. So are you going to put something in your foot bath container, like a de-icer that keeps it from freezing? Is that de-icer going to be affected by the disinfectant in there? Um, I would say... Wear dedicated footwear that you clean once a week. If you have to put out a foot bath, put a lid on it, um, change it often, and think about putting it perhaps um, inside the back door of the garage before you leave the garage if that keeps it just a few degrees warmer so it doesn't freeze. 
rather than right out in front of the chicken coop where, you know, in the early morning temperatures it might freeze, you know, just enough to make it, you know, make the plastic crack or something like that. Uh, and then you have to make a new footbath. Isn't that frustrating? Uh, especially during the holidays when you got umpty bajillion other things to do. So yep. if you have... If you have a um, a foot bath that's the kind that has the foam pad inside um, inside of like a, a vinyl lining, those are great because you know it may cost you fifty bucks, and that's what I have at my house. Um, and I keep it inside the garage door so it doesn't freeze. Nothing in my garage freezes, thank goodness. And if I have to, I can stick it on the other side of that door and know that um, if I'm heading out the door in the morning, I can stick it out there and, and bring it back in with me, you know, just grab it by the corners and bring it back in with me. So it it's pretty mobile versus a big container like a cat litter tray um, filled with water, having to bend over and pick that up versus this little vinyl thing. It's, it is way more accessible for me. And it's wide enough that I can't step around it, which some people, you know, don't want to have to do. Um, So it covers the entire entrance. I can't step over it. I can't step around it. Um, So it's about two feet, well, a little over two feet by about two feet wide. Uh, I do like those a lot, and I just keep a container of the disinfectant water mixture off to the side and uh, rinse it out when I need to add more when I'm done rinsing it out. It's fairly easy to use. So I really like those. They're an investment. might not be in everybody's budget this month. It might not be in your budget next month or even the month after, but if you set aside $10 a month, you can probably get one before the winter's over. And so you've got foot baths that are an option, as well as dedicated boots, dedicated coveralls. In some parts of the country, you can get away with just long sleeve coveralls, but if you want insulated coveralls, uh, a lot of places are having their Black Friday sales early for this sort of thing, and you can get them this week for a good deal. And that might be something you want to consider, either insulated bib overalls or full coveralls to uh, keep the cold out this winter. Now, in the summertime, people like to wear shorts and skirts. But I will still say, go with the short sleeve coveralls that are thinner. But, you know, you want the long legs uh, to cover up the the any dust that you could pick up on your on your legs if you were went with shorts instead. Yes, it's hot in the summer and gosh, nobody's thinking summer this time of year, but we all know that Christmas time is coming and sometimes the most practical gifts are the ones that we don't appreciate right away but we'll appreciate when we need it and we can just say, "Oh, I've got that. Okay, let me just go put that on." <clears throat> now, A lot of people go away for the holidays and they get a house sitter or a pet sitter. And that house sitter or pet sitter may be a fellow feather fancier or it might be the 4-H kid down the road or you might actually have to hire a pet sitting service. 
Um, either way, you need to plan ahead. Do they understand what your foot bath is for? Make sure that when you're running them through all the details and you're giving them the, the list of contact information and who your veterinarian is for all your animals, including your chickens, that you run through with them a very simple um, one-page set of notes on, on the foot bath and how to change out the foot bath if it needs changing out. Um, do you have enough supplies for that foot bath? Do you have enough food and, and water supplies on hand for your poultry? Usually people will pick up an extra bag of food for the cat or the dog um, just so that they they don't have to worry about the pet sitter or house they're going to purchase more. So why not do the same thing for your chickens or your poultry if you have more than just chickens? Um you do need to interview your house sitter or pet sitter and ask them, are they caring for more than one poultry flock owner's flock? Uh, or are they house sitting and somebody has a parrot? Hmm, okay, that just complicated things, Dr. McRae. Yes, it did. So ask them, you know, are you going to be visiting that other place once a day or are they going to come to your place once a day? Um, are your chickens in lay? Because if they are, they're going to need to come a couple times a day to pick up eggs so that the eggs don't freeze. And so you're going to have to kind of think through some of these details. How often do you want somebody to come? What are your needs? Do you need your chickens to stay in lay through the winter? So on and so forth. Um, and maybe it's just one of those great neighbors that you have. And in trade for all the eggs that they collect a couple times a day, maybe they'll watch your chickens for you, and um, then you can go off over the holidays and visit family and friends. <clears throat> all right. We all know that your footwear is one of the biggest problems, but it's also one of the easiest solutions. And a lot of people tell me, oh, yeah, I, I've got dedicated footwear. And then I ask the hard question, how often do you wash it? Not everybody's got a utility sink in the laundry room or out in the the garage. That means they have to use their kitchen sink. And it's just one more thing they have to do around their kitchen sink, and they're trying to keep their kitchens clean. Well, the nice thing about washing your boots is that... Um, if you've been using a foot bath, usually they're relatively clean. Um, sometimes, if you don't have a utility sink, go get a five-gallon bucket, fill it with warm, or two five-gallon buckets, fill it with warm, soapy water in the first bucket, and use that for scrubbing. You can use the same brush that you use for your uh, foot bath if you have one, but a long-handled brush helps you. Scrub that tread. And you can rinse those boots, and usually with a garden hose. And then in the second bucket, you can use a little bit of disinfectant mixed up. And if you just want to use bleach, great use bleach. But keep in mind, you're going to have about 10 minutes of contact time, so set a timer so you don't forget. And just using the straight bleach doesn't work. You have to clean the boots first. 
because bleach is very quickly inactivated by organic material. And if you've got filthy boots and you want to go straight into bleach, pretty much you're just washing them in dirty water after a few seconds. Not what your goals were. And even in um, elementary schools and kindergartens and daycare centers, on a daily basis, they have to clean with a bleach solution. So if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to take your kids to a place where they have to have their their um, toys cleaned, they're coming in contact with other humans, and we all know that kids can still get sick. But if they have to clean there, why not once a week just clean your own boots at home? Um, so boot cleaning and at the same time take those coveralls um, stick them in the washing machine and run them. That'll help keep down any diseases that could head your way this season. Um, I've got a foot bath fact sheet on my uh, on my university webpage, and everyone's welcome to to use that. I've also published published one uh, through uh, University of California Davis when I worked there. So there are publications out there. It's called Foot Baths Easier Than You Think. I've also, on my university webpage here at Delaware State University, put out a, a how to create a foot bath for a free-range system. So if somebody out there has free-range poultry that they're raising, whether it's turkeys or chickens or ducks or a mixed flock, you can look at it from that perspective, from a business perspective. And if you want to just read it because you're a backyard flock owner, you can look at it and see, all right, I don't have customers coming to take a look, but I have Aunt Joni who comes all the time and wants to go see my chickens. What could I be doing differently? Um, a lot of I'll share talking. something. Go ahead. I was going to share something along that too, foot baths and whatnot. And this is a, a big thing that uh, people, it's amazing how many people don't think about this. And, and long-time listeners know what I'm about to say. But um, if you allow your dog outside, for example, and they have free range of the backyard where your chickens are, whether it be in the coop, in the run, or out in the yard and you let your chickens out, uh, yes, that dog is probably going to be stepping in chicken poop um, and other nasties that are out there. We'll just say chicken poop. And um, and then you put bath, you were your gant, you do the whole nine yards, and you go back in your house, and then you just, you know, <laughs> come on, Fido, come on. And you don't do anything with those dog feet at all. Your dog comes into the house. Where's that dog? It's on your couch. It's on your chair. It's on your bed. It's on you. It's on the carpet, tracking in all that potential uh, disease uh, that could affect your family, maybe salmonella, just to throw one out there, um, in in your home because you just thought about wearing your boots, but you didn't think about your dog's feet that's going to track that in the house. So that's right. And we don't encourage allowing pets into the coop for that very same reason. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to ask your pet to share the same space as your poultry, then you've really got to think critically about, all right, bacteria use both equipment, people, and animals to move around. Mm-hmm. Uncle- unclean equipment, naive people, and oblivious animals to move things around. So how do I outsmart the bacteria rather than the bacteria outsmart you? Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of people don't mind putting up a run for their chickens as long as the chickens always have access to fresh grass. And a lot of people tell me, well, I put a run up and they had all that grass eaten down in a week. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what were you expecting? You need more than one run. You need to be able to rotate and let your pasture rest. And they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll do that next year. And, and then they'll they'll add a, a run of equal or similar size the next year and give their birds room to move around. And so they can let the grass rest. They can plant shade plants. Um and that is just good, prudent planning. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's way too big. I don't want my chickens to take over the backyard. Well, some of those little cupy coops are just that. They're not really going to meet their needs uh, as far as as they spend 60% of their day exploring and so you kind of got you kind of got to look at it critically and say all right am i really meeting my birds needs um one of the last things before we go to commercial break Andy is uh mm-hmm. where does everybody eg- enter and exit through to get into your yard or to get into your coop there's usually a common point whether it's the back door uh the feed room door or right in front of the coop entrance. Sometimes that's the same as the feed room door. You need to put up signs where everybody's going to see them. So eye height for adults and eye height for children, whoever goes in there the most. You need to put up a sign. The sign um, can include a biosecurity statement, and, and this is where I think the creativity of your listeners would be very important, Andy. I've seen uh I've seen signs out front uh by the gate that leads to the backyard that says biosecure area do not enter without permission. I've seen um for biosecurity purposes step into the foot bath before proceeding. Um, I've seen signs that are very simple it says because we love our chickens we care about their health please come to the front door and ask permission before entering to see our chickens. So it doesn't necessarily have to have that big scary word biosecurity on it, which we all know at this point isn't a big scary word because a lot of people are already using biosecurity. But your neighbors may not understand. And, you know, I'm not saying that it has to have a stop sign on it, but we all know that stop signs are very effective in stopping humans. They may not read the entire sign, but they may see the stop sign symbol and go, okay, I need to read this sign. It's saying something. It needs my attention. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sometimes something written in red on a white background or black on a red background. The colors of a sign can be very important. And if all you do is print something out on a piece of red construction paper or print red out on a white piece of paper and slip it into one of those um, plastic sheet protectors and seal up the top. That's all you really need. So make it easy for people to find you if that's what your sign is asking them to do. If, if they need to go to the front door, great. And if you know you're not often at home when people are, are sometimes coming to see your flock, you need to provide a telephone number. They need to ask permission. Well, make it easy for them to seek permission. 
So a sign is something that's going to be easily seen in an area where everybody passes through. And it may be something as simple as your farm name and asking them to uh, contact you before entering. Uh, So it doesn't have to say biosecurity, but it needs to be effective in what you want them to do. All right, Andy, I think it's about time. You like to usually take your break about now, so we'll go ahead and do that. That sounds good, folks. If you're just joining us, we're talking with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCray, Ph.D. We're talking all about a very important topic, biosecurity. We're doing a good review and uh, giving you some things that you may not have thought about. If you are practicing good biosecurity, we'll talk more about this important topic when we return. Stay with us. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brency spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brency.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency, technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special bowels, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. 
Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. for staying with us. Tis the season. We're talking with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae. We're talking all about biosecurity. Yep, biosecurity. Bio meaning life, security meaning safety, and keeping your flock uh, as safe as they can to prevent infectious poultry diseases. Uh, some of the, uh, I guess the taglines would be, of course, don't haul disease home, uh, meaning when you're coming back from the feed store, another farm, someone else's house, uh, make sure you have that designated pair of boots, uh, washing the tires and the wheel wells, especially if you visit other farms or you go to the, the auction to buy, uh, which we hope you don't, but go to the auction to, to buy some of your birds. That can always be risky in, in itself. Um, you go to the show, you go to 4-H-O, FFA show. If you're going to the show with the poultry fanciers, ABA, um, uh, APA, coming back, uh, bringing new birds home, 30 days quarantine uh, to make sure they don't have any sniffles and sneezies and mites and lice and, and swollen eyes and, and just different things like that. 30 days before you incorporate them back into your flock. Don't share tools with your neighbor. Uh, hey, can I borrow your shovel for a minute? I, I don't want to go get mine or mine's locked up or blah, 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 blah. Uh, we don't want to do that. I don't care how awesome their birds look. I don't care how awesome their yard looks. Uh, I, looking over in the yard, I guarantee you can't see poultry uh, diseases, the little minute little bacteria. Um, something we haven't mentioned yet, very, very important, uh, trying to do your best to eliminate wild birds from your backyard flock. This means moving those bird baths, moving those wild bird feeders. If you think about it, you know, oh, I love wild birds. I put the wild bird feeder here. Uh, the feed drops down onto the ground. Your chickens are going to come and eat all that bird food that's come off the bird feeder up in their backyard. What are the birds doing? What are wild birds are doing while they're up there eating? They're pooping, and all that poop falls down into the yard, and here come your chickens to eat that food that's mixed in with the poop from the wild birds 
from your wild bird feeder, and you may have just incorporated some deadly disease to your flock. Bird baths, uh, wild bird feeders. If you have to have them, get them into the front yard, away from your backyard flock. Pile security. Um, if avian influenza comes into your area, um, then it may be at that time, time to quarantine your birds the best you can, putting tarps over those runs, different things like that. If you live in an area or if your property has ponds and you frequently see wild ducks and geese visiting that pond, keep your flock away from that pond. Um, so this, you know, biosecurity, doing whatever you can, uh, washing those dog paws before you let them back into your, uh, into your house. Um, all this stuff that we need to be thinking about, having hand sanitizer, using it before and after you go into the coop. It doesn't need a pair of boots. The, the coveralls we've talked about, uh, the foot baths that Dr. McRae has talked about, the signage can be very important. Um, and uh, I know one person in particular who comes on the show quite a bit who's got good signage and is very adamant with biosecurity, and that is uh, Alexandra Douglas uh, with her quail uh, farm down in Florida. And she's been questioned oftentimes, she's, you know, when someone wants to buy some birds from her, she brings the birds out to the front yard, the road, uh, where they park. And they're like, you know, she's often said, well, what people say, well, why can't I come and see? Why can't I come pick them out? Biosecurity. This is the ones that you can pick out from these that I've brought to you if you have to pick out that type of thing. Um, so all these things you, you can think about. It doesn't, and I know it's, oh, it just doesn't sound fine. Well, either is having a sick flock of birds. That's not fun either. <laughs> so, so all these things that you can do to try to eliminate some of these poultry, <laughs> infectious poultry diseases can go a long way. So back over to the phone lines uh, to uh, Dr. McRae. Thanks for staying with us. Hey, Andy. So you so, were uh, saying that wild birds, uh, you know, get the, the bird feeders away. A lot of people say, oh, I love watching the wild birds. Great, (laughs) that's fine. And those birds need the seed that I provide them with. Actually, research has been done. Birds only use bird feeders for part of their diet in the winter. By no means are they dependent on it. So if you choose to take your bird feeder down, you are not going to be significantly impacting the diet of the birds in your area, the ones that come to visit your bird feeder. So that excuse is gone. Um, of course, if you if you take down birdhouses, this is the time of year when you usually take down and store birdhouses. Anyhow, nobody's using them. Uh, but also bird... Um, bird waters or uh, bird baths. Uh, This is the time of year when people usually take them down or turn them upside down because birds aren't going to use them anyhow, and um, that's that's fine. Go ahead and take them down. Birds find water in multiple locations. They don't tend to bathe in the deep, darkest parts of the winter anyhow. Um, If they do bathe, it'll be in the snow. And so... You know, there are reasons to kind of separate your flock from the presence of wild birds. If you've got a a, a range feeder out there, if you have a large number of birds, um, a range feeder usually has a, a, a rain guard on it. Uh, you can't exactly keep that away from wild birds. and uh, But, of course, you do want to go out there and shoo away any waterfowl that comes to use it. If they should find your range feeder, you would definitely want to take the time to get those birds away from them. And 
Um, range feeders are usually designed to maybe be filled once a week with 400 pounds of feed, and so that's not usually your listener base, Andy. But you know, I wanted to include that information for any of your um, small to medium scale enterprise operations that listen to your show. Absolutely. Um, so if you have if you have bird if you have chicken feeders, keep them in the coop. Keeps them drier, keeps the wild birds away, and keep your chickens in a secure coop, one where you get to exercise control over what diseases your birds are exposed to. So, oops, sorry, there goes my phone. I apologize. Oh. All right, let me turn that off. I apologize, Andy. That never happens. <laughs> no problem at all. Okay, so exactly what you had said, you want to keep rodents at bay. Wintertime, you know, if you're keeping a nice, cozy, warm coop, you might be keeping a mouse or two. So you want to monitor and then eliminate if you notice that you've seen a change. And you know, if you say, oh, i never seen a rodent, well, then you got a smart one that's outsmarting you. So... Take the time to monitor, and then, you know, if you do have a problem, you want to uh, set out traps or bait to get rid of that problem. Insects aren't necessarily a problem in the wintertime, Andy. However, sometimes people will get um, bed bug problems or um, even worse, mite and lice problems in the wintertime. Bed bugs are becoming a larger and larger problem in commercial industry, um, although we figured out how to take care of that problem, but if you don't realize what's affecting your birds, you do need to handle them in the wintertime at least once a month. Are they getting thinner? Some people will even weigh their birds once a month. Um, All they have to do is get on the bathroom scale with the chicken in their hands and measure the difference between their weight and their weight plus the chicken's weight, and then they've got any significant drops in the weight of their chicken. They can record that. Um, So check for mites and lice. The birds huddle together because it's cold And so if you're not providing supplemental heat, your chickens are going to huddle together a lot more in a communal roosting environment. And therefore, it makes it much easier for external parasites to move from bird to bird to bird. And if you're not monitoring within a couple of months, it can be so out of control, and your birds will be miserable. If they're miserable then they're susceptible to any little dinky disease that's lurking around in your coop that normally they're able to fight off. So those are some things to consider. Um, If you've got other livestock and maybe you turn your chickens out um, to, you know, tear up cow patties or something like that, just keep in mind that you need to monitor the health of your birds to make sure they're not picking up something from another species because there are some bacteria that can, and and certain um, viruses, fungi, that can uh, move between species, so that makes them a zoonotic disease organism. So if you're not monitoring, you're not helping your birds necessarily. Um, So eliminate standing water. They're not going to be, you don't want them playing around in muddy, mucky, wet conditions um, in the wintertime. So if that means you have to grade the coop 
or grade the run of the coop so that water leaves the coop after a, um, a snow melt or a rainstorm, then do it. Um, clean up your feed spills right away. That's a biosecurity measure. Main means the world to rodent control. And yes, a lot of the plants in our yards are going into uh, hibernation mode. And so maybe this is the time of year when you just write real quick, get the weeds down around the coop, get that vegetation out, um, and relocate some some plants so that you don't have a uh, a rodent superhighway along the edge of the coop or the edge of the run. Uh, and if you take care of it this time of year, usually you don't have to worry about it for another five or so months until the springtime when plants kind of regain their footing and start to grow again. And then you'll have weekly maintenance after that. If you have a big burn pile, well, this is the time of year to burn it. You're going to get rid of harborage for uh, for rodents. Usually if you don't burn that burn pile, they're going to hang out in there and they may be sneaking into the coop at night and eating from your chicken feeder. If you can, some there are some really new and interesting innovative uh, coop doors out there uh, that will open and shut uh, based on the light. And actually there's a gentleman with a new product out there who's uh, it's called the Daylight Extender. So if you want eggs through the winter and maybe you've got a year two or three older flock and they're not so young anymore, you may see a decrease in egg production, but you don't have to. And it's tied into their, their door that closes in the evening hours. So your birds are are kept indoors and away from predators and the cold. So biosecurity um Sometimes that means putting a lock on the door. And people kind of go, uh, what? Sometimes you have well-meaning neighbors or 4-H members or club members. And they don't follow biosecurity to the letter of the law or to the letter of your level of comfort. And if you can't get them to respect your biosecurity measures, sometimes that means putting a lock on the gate that leads to the backyard, along with a sign that says, please see me at the front. If they can't get in there, they'll go to the front. I've had 4-H members who had uh, older, retired neighbors that would have their grandchildren come visit, and this this is somebody with show chickens. Um uh, high-quality, high-level show chickens. And they would have this guy, you know, hop into his gator and bring his grandkids down every weekend. He had chickens, too. But he wanted to show his grandkids these fancy chickens that the neighbors had. And they were, they kept saying, uh, you know, Paul, we, we really would appreciate it if you, if you, you know, maybe asked our permission and we'll bring a chicken up to the front and, and your kids can look that way. But we don't want you back there because we're we're experiencing some problems with mycoplasma. We need to get that under control. He says, oh, I'll just bring them on down. I'll be real quick. I'll... He just wasn't getting the message. And they were trying to be as kind and as polite as possible. And they put a lock on the door. 
and he couldn't get back there. And he he phoned him. Well, I I I just wanted to show the kids, and they're like, you know, we've we've been explaining to you over the course of the last month, we're having disease problems, and we need to get it under control. And we would like to respectfully request that you ask us permission before you just drive on back there. Oh, well, I just wanted to show the kids. We're experiencing a disease problem. It's not a good idea right now. And that sometimes you have to just kindly, gently be a little more forceful in your insisting that people don't wander back into your coop. And, you know, not everybody wants to understand how diseases move around. They just want everything to be happy-go-lucky, hunky-dory. But you're the one who are responsible for your coop, and your flock depends on your decisions. And sometimes when you put a lock on the gate or on a fence or on the coop door, that's the message that people get. And that's what they need to see and hear. It's a very simple thing. It also means you mean business. And if you do that in conjunction with signage, people get the message. They understand. And they won't hold it against you. And if they do, well, you know what? Maybe they don't need to hang out near your tube. Um other things that you can do for biosecurity is maintain a single species of birds on your property. If you're going to have chickens, just have chickens. Don't mix species. A lot of people, Andy, say, oh, I've had chickens and turkeys together for years. Awesome. How many decades did each live to? Because chickens and turkeys should live upwards of 10 years. And if they're not doing that, you might be doing something to truncate their life or shorten their life. We know that chickens carry a particular organism that are detrimental to turkeys. And that causes blackhead disease in turkeys. So if you're going to keep turkeys, keep them in a coop that is completely separated. Completely separated, not even a common wall, from your chickens. As much distance as possible, to the point of if you could put them on opposite ends of the property, great. Better yet, keep one species on your property. Same goes for ducks. You don't want to mix chickens and ducks, especially since ducks tend to be silent carriers of organisms like avian influenza as evidenced by the problems we had earlier this year in our nation. And it's a difficult thought. People are like, oh, but I saw the baby ducklings, and they were so cute at the feed store. I had to give one. I was going to give it to my granddaughter, but they didn't have space for it, so I kept it. Well, are you ready to build a whole new coop for it? Because that's what you're going to need to do. Because that's a much, much higher risk scenario than if you uh, had chickens and turkeys together, which you would want to keep separate for the sake of the turkeys as well as the chickens. You also want to move from your youngest birds to your oldest birds on a daily basis. 
Better yet, only maintain one age on your farm. When you start to mix it up, when you start to change up your age groups and maintain more than one age group on a farm, then you've got older birds that are immune to things that younger birds aren't immune to. And it just takes one slip up. One time you didn't wash your hands or didn't wash your hands well enough. And you take something to the little younger birds and then they start to die or get sick or become carriers themselves. Not something you want to deal with? Okay. Well, just maintain one age group on your farm. Might be a situation where you're in the city and you're only allowed to keep four chickens. Well, if two of them pass away, and you've got two older birds, well, you can go get two new birds. Well, is that really a good idea? What are those older birds carrying? Go test them. See what they're carrying. Your diagnostic lab in your state should be able to do that through a simple blood test. and Or your veterinarian can do that. And you have to think about, okay, they've been exposed to mycoplasma. I don't need to bring chicks in. Okay. Well, we'll wait for Henny and Penny to live a good long life, and then when they're gone, we'll do a full clean out and get new chicks. That might be the way you need to do things. So maintaining one age group or minimizing the number of age groups on your farm is extremely important. So a quarantine area is also very important. If you're going to go to shows, if you're going to um, purchase birds, you need to have a completely separate quarantine area for several weeks of separation. And you also want to wash your clothes after bringing those birds home. Your quarantine area should have separate equipment that has the word quarantine written on it or perhaps a red piece of duct tape on it so that you know that equipment only belongs in the quarantine area and it should not move. You should visit your quarantine area last. Your quarantine area is also where you're going to stick any sick chickens or injured chickens. So you need to think about your quarantine area and where it's going to be, and how you're going to set it up. Because it's never convenient when a chicken gets injured or sick. It might be something that you just want to have set up all the time so that you can deal with it, uh, not deal with the setup, and just go put your chicken in there, have the separate food, water, containers, and be good to go. Once you've visited the quarantine area, you should not go back to the rest of your flock because that bird in quarantine's got a problem. And so you're going to want to wash your clothes or at least change your clothes before you go to the rest of your flock. And if that means a separate set of coveralls, then that means a separate set of coveralls, depending on the disease problem that you've got history with. Um, So, as you said, Andy, People should park far away from your coop and walk through a foot bath before they come see your chickens. People's cars don't need to roll up right up on your coop. They can park down at the end of the driveway. Or if you are doing this as a business, you can set up a parking area and require them to park there, and that can be far from your coop. 
like I said before, you're the one who has to have the dedicated clothing, uh, the cleaning schedule to make this work. And yes, cleaning your equipment weekly is a good idea. Your feeders and waters should be cleaned and disinfected weekly. If you're spot cleaning on a daily basis inside the coop, you may just have to add some shavings once a week. And most states have a diagnostic lab. And if you have a problem, like you go out there and they're all down, maybe not all dead, but they're all sick, you know you have a problem. You know you need to come to their rescue. You need to have some phone numbers set aside. Call your veterinarian that sees poultry. If you don't have a veterinarian that sees poultry, call your state diagnostic lab. If you can take birds there, great. Sometimes they'll meet you halfway. Sometimes they want you, uh, they'll send someone to you to pick up uh, birds for diagnosis. Depends on the size of your state and what kind of resources are available. But if you know you have a problem, if your chickens are <coughs> have that winter cold and snotty nose and foamy eyes, you know you have a problem. Get a diagnosis. Once you've got a diagnosis, then you can work on an action plan. But until you get that diagnosis, you're guessing. You're throwing stuff at them. You may be wasting your time. And if you don't get a timely diagnosis, you may have started giving antibiotics for a virus. What's that going to do? Nothing. You just wasted time and you may have wasted some of your money, too. And like you said, Andy, not everybody's willing to spend umpty bajillion dollars on their chickens. That's very true. So, Andy, are you ready to uh, ready to tell people no if they want to come visit your chickens? <laughs> oh, me, I did when we were uh, on that coop tour. In fact, I, I, it was early on, early on, probably... Oh, gosh, seven years ago, and uh, we were involved in a coop tour in Atlanta, which is still going on. And uh, um, I was probably the, even though I shared with all of the people, the whole organization, everything about it, uh, back in the day, it kind of, they kind of turned a blind eye, and uh, I did. I made sure that I did everything I did regarding biosecurity, that, again, probably six, seven years ago. And then, um, what was I going to say? The but But since then, I was very proud, very proud moment uh, when the group that is and has been doing the Atlanta Coop Tour for for many years this past year uh, reached out. We consulted with each other, and um, it's they they implemented just about all of my suggestions, if not all of them, uh, about booties to nobody in the coops, nobody handling birds, nobody in the runs, uh, limited area, uh, really the whole you know, booties, even they provided booties that, that people on that option. It was really, really good, and I was very proud of them. And um, so it was kind of disappointing yesterday when I saw pictures of a coop tour um, where people were actually inside the coop and run. So, uh, yeah, I've been, been there and done that. And I've made these mistakes before the bazillion times, folks, early on, not knowing what biosecurity was or, or what it meant, uh, having my dog even go in and collect the eggs for me. Penny loved to do that, you know, in the coop, in the run. Um, I'm guilty, you know, so it's a live and learn. And like I said, from day one with Chicken Whisperer, uh, I just, you know, again, spread the chicken love and, and help people 
keep chickens the right way without having to reinvent the wheel, which can cost them money and time and the health of their chickens. That's what it's all about. I've made plenty of these same mistakes myself. If anybody says they haven't, they're kidding you. Uh, they're lying to you. And uh, it's just a matter of um, of learning and then sharing with others so so they don't make the same mistakes. That's what it's all about. So, yep, I, I'm ready to do that. So, uh, And we've got a long faith. weekend coming up. So, people, yep. if you're listening... Think about one one thing that you could do before the end of the long weekend. And then think of something that you could do before the first of the year or by by the, the New Year's Day break. And then think about something that you'd like to get done in the springtime. And then, Andy, have your listeners write it down. If you write it down in your chicken log book, where you track all their their different um, ailments, or maybe it's where you write down your feed receipts if, and their their sick logs. If you write it down, you don't have to hold on to it in your brain, which is already busy with the rest of your life, and just refer back to it. And if you write it down, you're more likely to do it. So... Maybe it's not just you that does it. Maybe it's something that you could ask the youngster in your household to to commit to. Think of it as your your poultry flock New Year's resolutions. What are you going to make a change in this year? What is everybody going to do differently? What are you going to commit to? So there, we're planning ahead, Andy. We're planning ahead. Awesome. Great topic. Great episode. Uh, we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, over the weekend. Um, you too. Dr. McCray, and we look forward to seeing you next time you're on the air. So thank you so much for sharing all your insight. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended, pure, Wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H-Feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. 
All right. Thank you very much for staying with us today, and uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We're all about biosecurity. Hope you learned something. Hope you can implement some of these suggestions to try to help uh, your flock stay healthy and prevent some of these infectious poultry diseases uh, that are out there. Don't ignore this issue because if you do, sooner or later, and for some of you it may be later, you know, those of you who say, uh, I've been doing like this and I've never had a problem, tomorrow's another day, okay? Um, just keep that in mind. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I truly mean that to all the folks that listen to the show. There's thousands of you, the homeschoolers, the over-the-road truck drivers, uh, the stores that stream this radio show live for their customers, um, the people who listen to the podcast once it's archived, the live listeners, everybody. I truly hope that you have an absolutely wonderful uh, and blessed Thanksgiving with family and friends. We'll see you uh, next Monday with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Have a blessed holiday weekend, folks. We'll see you next time. Uh-huh.